Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. You're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 24. Just a reminder, you can find all my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or at podnuts.com slash ctg. And this is a live show on YouTube. You can subscribe to my channel at youtube.com slash callthatgirl, where you can find a mix of all my shows and how-to videos and a few past shows. Now, this show is about Outlook and Office 365, so if you're an aspiring Office 365 tech or veteran and just like listening to my stories, I welcome everyone. We talk a lot about Exchange because, um, excuse me, in time, as we do more shows, we will touch upon other Office 365 products as well. We focus on this because this is where the technicians are doing the most work. This week, I welcome our guest, Mike Smith from the Mike Tech Show. Welcome, Mike. Hi. Thanks Hello. for having me. I'm thrilled to have you as a guest. I've watched all your shows as many as I can, and I always hear you talk about migration, so I thought you'd be a perfect guest this week to have because we want to hear your stories of how you got started and things you do with it, and the technicians really like to learn from us. So yep. before we get Great. talking about that, though, let's talk about CompTIA. Yes. Tell so us you, what you're doing. I, I can't wait. Uh, I'm flying out on uh, Saturday, August 1st, and I'm already, as a matter of fact, to anybody listening, they better book quick. And as a matter of fact, I bet it's the the Hilton. I think is totally mm-hmm. booked already. So you're going to be looking for a hotel nearby. But uh, we have a, a lot of things scheduled, some meetups, and I know there's going to be other gatherings of techs and 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 the the different podcasters that that are there. The the meetup on Sunday, and then uh, there's events Sunday night, and then. It's going to be fun, and I can't wait. I leave on Thursday, so if anybody's out there, you want to click on Call That Girl's link and get the your promotion for your uh, free uh, pr- promotion code for uh, you don't have to spend any money for the yeah. conference, and which is except for you know your airfare in the room. Uh, I think it's an incredible deal to be able to mingle with the techs and also potential vendors and getting to see mm-hmm. other different managed services and other you might have find different revenue streams just by attending there and visiting the vendors you know for products and services you can now add to your suite you know for offering mm-hmm. for clients so uh, I'm excited got everything I, I think last year at the event I kind of got a taste of what it's about so this year I can come a little more you know knowledgeable of the event yep and uh, as we said earlier a lot of people are flying in on Saturday uh, a lot of just like the old school people, I think, <laughs> in our term, get there early. Uh, Sunday, I'm an exhibitor, so I have to prep for my exhibit table. And then Sunday at 5 o'clock, we're having the podcasters meet up with the Technible meetup. So we're promoting it two ways. Okay. And then I believe later on, Corey Fruitman's having an event with Instant House Call and his uh, Jetpack. I'll give him yeah. a... I don't know the official stuff of it, but I do know something's going on. So already on Sunday, you have two events that you can come to. Yeah. Well, and then I'm, Monday I'm starts the event. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm, Mike? I'm excited. I'm excited. Tuesday. Yeah. Do you know the party Tuesday night is at Wrigley Field? So I know. 
uh, that's a bucket list item for me. So that's. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like, I'll, I'll, I heard that. Kerry told me that. Actually, I spoke to him and Kerry Holzman, and he was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be a great event. Mike's gonna love that." And I'm not a big baseball fan, so I don't know. I might go or not. But I mean, there's just back-to-back stuff going on, and plus you get free food, uh, yep. breakfast, lunch, and food at the reception vendor fair. So really, you just need to cover your hotel, and like uh, you said earlier, they are running low. Uh, I'm sharing a hotel room with a, one of my friends from Technible. So, I mean, we're sharing, but we got a better suite up a higher. Oh, nice. Because we're girls. Yeah. <laughs> I, actually, Carrie's going to be bunking with me. So. Oh. <laughs> nice. So, I told already, you. There's a listener, uh, Mike, in our the, one of the moderators from my chat room for, the, uh, for my show, is actually picking me up at the airport, so I don't even have to worry about a shuttle. Nice. So, uh, well, the I shuttle's free too, by the way. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't have to share. You know, just having someone pick me up, I'm like, that's awesome. So, I'm kind of freaked out because I'm driving it. Oh. Okay. And I'm not a big fan of driving on interstates at all, so I'm gonna chump it up and just do it, and maybe take some back roads for you know sightseeing because I'm in no hurry. I live in Iowa, so I can just right. you know take my time, but. But I was like, why fly? That makes no sense. I got to hit two airports. It takes me six hours anyway. And fully. Yeah, flying for me is like two hours or something. It's like ridiculous yeah. fast. So that's easy. So yeah. fly in, fly out. So, so, so Taz is coming? Yes. Taz. Cool. There's going to be, I think you're going to see a lot of the people from the last CompTIA show. You know, nice. the, a lot of the listeners that, that came there, I think are going to come because I think Chicago is actually easier. And it's more central, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Winston Wolf, who's always in the chat, he lives near. He's only three hours away, so he'll be there. Nice. You know? And then uh, there's a bunch of uh, a bunch of others that have already started. Uh, uh, listeners, uh, I've asked them to email me, you know, for when they're coming in, so this way uh, we can text them and you know, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm collecting everybody's information too because the one thing that I. One thing I kind of felt a little bit last year was kind of lost because it was such a huge venue. I mean, you remember it was this yep. huge hotel resort, and if and if I went upstairs to go work, I didn't know where people were. Right. And so one thing I'm going to do this year for the people that come that's in our circles is I'm going to give you a sticker to put on your lanyard badge. Okay. So if you happen to see someone else with that lanyard badge with our sticker, you know they're part of our crew. Yep. And you should feel more comfortable going up to them say, saying, hey, what's up? You know, yep. I'm so-and-so, I'm this, I'm that. And you have something in common? Because it's a very large, um, you know, venue, and a lot of people are kind of lost because they didn't come with someone maybe. Maybe we should and, have our own hashtag on Twitter, that this way, oh. wherever we're going. See, I was starting to think, where can we post that, you know, maybe, you know, uh, see – uh, CompTIA CTG or something for Call That Girl. Are, are, yeah, and what we do with I mean, just anything. And uh, just to, just, hey, we're yeah. going to be over here. We're going to, you know, we're doing a, you know. It's four days. You got it. You can't be lost the whole time. And like I right. said, last year I had to work a lot. Well, this year I'm not going to be working a lot. I'm putting a ton of effort into this conference because I'm mostly doing my exhibit table to promote my Office 365 show. Right. And I'm right. like, who comes to an event to promote a show? Me. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I want to just so much just attend. That's something I didn't yeah. do because I worked my butt off the last the last show and never attended one yeah one conference. You, you gotta go. You know any of them. You got to. And, well, and I want to embrace that and enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. You know so. 
Um, well, that's why we're doing the podcast thing on Sunday night, and I'll just review yep. real quick who are the podcasters in. It's myself, Mike Smith, Carrie Holzman, Jeff Hallish, Chris Crothers, Stephen McLaughlin, Door Door Geek, Matt Rainey, and Matt Rodella. So it's a pretty good lineup. We couldn't get um, Steve Carabino out there? I emailed him twice. Okay. I said, Connie couldn't make it, so I, I, I understand. Oh. And uh, PC Freddy's coming. So oh, okay, cool. he's one of our fans. That's supposed to be his hat. <laughs> Maybe I'll get it back this year. Um, as far as I know, I've gotten a few other people that have signed up, so that's good. I think it's a cost thing technicians need to think about is that, you know, sure, you got to pay for the hotel and your flight. You can, write it off. you can write it off. And it's educational because there's, like Mike said, last year he missed a lot of stuff. That's why we're doing the podcast show on Sunday. So you have time Monday through Wednesday to go to the events and uh, participate and take full advantage of the learning and meeting the vendors and other contacts. I mean, that's just a huge networking event for all of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'd like the exhibit table thing. You should make your rounds once and then go back and try to connect a second time. That's what I learned that was hard for me last year. Yep. And, and I did do that last year. I met two okay. of my vendors that I partnered <laughs> with, or I should say that um, I, 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 I resell their services. And uh, that was kind of nice. Yeah. And that was fast because I seen them and I just, oh, let me talk to them, you know. And, and uh, I, I think the whole experience, not just the podcaster meetup, meeting with other users, but actually going to the sessions and then meeting all these vendors. Uh, it's, you know, if you're yeah. an IT, if you're a consultant, that's it. It's a slam dunk. It's a, it's no a cool place. And yep. there's really not many other technical conferences out there for techs like us. Right. I know of, and I think Comp used to be promoted as for like the the larger MSP companies and larger corporations, but they have really been honing in on getting the the general technical crowd in there because yeah. there's a lot to offer us, and right. there's a lot of us yeah. <laughs> that do this. Oh yeah, Great. they need we need them and they need us. So yep. I've been out promoting as much as I can and and participating. And last year I tried my best, but this year I'm full in. Yep. I'm gonna participate as much as I can. Cool. All right, Mike. Well, let's get started on with our topics here. I'm sure our listeners here want to hear all about your experiences and, and whatnot. you got a ton of them. I hear you talk about on your show a lot yep. what you're doing and stuff, but I think let's get down to the guts more of it because a lot of technicians need to learn Office 365 because it's not going away. Yes. It is only going to get bigger and better, and we all have to learn from each other because where else are we going to go? There's no, no learning manual. Right? No, I agree. Oh, this is it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So let's start off by saying, um, tell us about the first time you did. Uh, now, we're not going to use the word Office 365. We're going to talk about a migration for Exchange. Yes. yes. Yeah. A, couple, a, great, a couple years ago, one of my regular retainer clients, and this is a law firm, and they're in Center City, Philadelphia. They're in a big building, but the building has power outages, not on a regular basis, but enough where it can disrupt the business and there's no backup generator to the building and they're at the mercy of the facility so they can't do their own generator or anything they have to you know comply with the, the building they had their own exchange server and we I sat down with the two owners of the, the you know the two attorneys who uh, that's their business and said Mike what can we do and I said well you need to move your email to the cloud but it had to be exchange services. And we couldn't just go to a, a plain pop or IMAP email or Google Apps. or something. It had to be 
exchange hosted services because they rely on shared calendars, mm. shared contacts, public folders. And once you start hearing that, that's it. Bing, bing, bing. It's exchange hosted services. So I went looking. I found a vendor that I read a lot about and, and, and I said, that's it. I, I spoke with them and kind of vetted them and went through the process myself. And <laughs> I learned with, it all on your own. <laughs> oh my God. So luckily we're talking about seven, eight users. So we're not talking real big, but I learned first one, a, a couple, a couple things. I did not know of auto discover at that time. Oh okay. no! So, <laughs> Eddie, and and if you're lost when you hear that, don't worry. We're going to cover that. Uh, <laughs> the I had to manually set up the client. So the first thing I had to do was learn. Okay, I got to export everything. That's not bad. Export everybody's PST. So mm -hmm. uh, piece of cake, you know. Uh, except for one person, what do you do when they're 20 gig? You know, anyway, for their PST. So now. I export all their PSTs, and I, I recruited one of my sons to help me as we're hitting each desk, and I export everything to the PST, and now you got to, for, for this particular vendor, you want to, they have a, a temporary storage space for you to FTP the PSTs. So you FTP hmm. the PSTs up there, and once it's uploaded, you then say, I want them to import it into this mailbox, and it's just a checkbox. So I do that, I get that, and that's working great, except for the guy who's 20 gig. So you learn about the upload speed of the ISP, <laughs> and they're Comcast, and Comcast caps you at like just a couple meg. So you for business, yeah, for business. So you have no bandwidth to upload. So that it was time. And that was the big struggle. It was the that was the first learning experience. This took a long time because of that that twenty gig you know uh, upload. And uh, uh, other than that, everything went really really well for my first time. It was a caught up, and I said, "Boy, there's got to be an easier way to set up." the Outlook client, because now you got to go in and configure, you know, all these advanced settings for the, pro the, yeah, the yeah. exchange proxy set up and the security. And there's all these complicated things in setting up the client. And once I got all that down, everything was great. And I moved them to, to the exchange host that we ran that way. And then this was part of a server upgrade where I was taking them off of small business server and on to a regular server. They were small business server to, oh, wait, no, no, no. You know what? We went from small business server 2003 directly to small business server 2011, which was the last <laughs> real small business server. And after that, everything was great. And that was my first migration. So I learned a lot after that. Well, sounds, sounds like, like yours actually was pretty easy because it was PST or sorry, sorry. exchange to exchange. Right, exactly, exactly. If and if I you're wasn't. not, oh, it's Google Apps to exchange. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I, I've been very, very fortunate, and you know, I, I've moved uh, from other uh, ISPs. Uh, here you go, Verizon Mail. You know, yeah. to a P once you get it to a PST, I love the upload process. Now you're going to like something that my upload at home is so fast 
that if the company's close enough locally to me, I will take the PSTs now to a, uh, a an external drive, bring it home, and oh, upload yeah. it because it's so much fun. My bandwidth is so much faster. And now it's even more, it's even significantly faster. Back then I was only 35 meg up and down. Now I'm 300 meg up and down. <laughs> I've been seeing you do your testing, and, and it's, it's funny because you blame it on your kitchen for streaming. Oh, no. Do you know what that one was? That one test, it wasn't. That was a bad server that I was doing the test from because uh -huh. I thought I was having a performance issue, and I wasn't. So I have been consistent across the board. I'm, I'm 314 meg down. And uh uh no yeah, no, three forty five down and like three fourteen up. So yes. it's it's incredible. I mean, so this let's fast forward a couple migrations. There's a company in the area, they had an old standard T one, a fractional T one. It was so slow. And I, and the minute I noticed and I seen this, there was only four stations. I quickly took those PSTs, put it into an external disk, brought it home, uploaded it in seconds, and mm -hmm. and then I go online and say, hey, okay, uh, import, you know, to the uh, 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 import to the um, to their accounts. I'm going to give you one gotcha, and this is something that everybody needs to learn if you're migrating from an exchange server. Two, two huge lessons learned. One, if, if you're going from an exchange server and it's an internal person after the migration, now emailing to an internal person and the exchange server is no longer there, they're going to get a bounce back if they return oh, yeah. the email. Because it's connected it's, to their old server. It's still trying to, well, no, even if the old server's uh, off, it's still trying to connect to that old server because of the path from that message. You almost have to go in and delete the autocomplete of all of the internal users. Yeah, yeah. Using a, a a utility like N uh, N2K Edit or uh, one of those one of those programs, or you must explain to everybody the first time you're sending an internal email when it if it tries to auto populate, delete it yeah, and yeah. retype in the email so it now will go through the new path. That was one big big lesson. And that's and, actually to Exchange. I don't, I don't see it with IMAP to Exchange. Right, but right. Uh, also, also just to let you know, know, I'll throw an ad in yep. here that people that get uh, a new, um, if you use the same profile in Outlook or not, autocomplete with Outlook 2013. Ooh, that's tough to fix. Have you had a lot of problems with that? I it, actually, I no, because of NK2. What I do is that the NK2 Edit program from Nearsoft. What I do I is I, I take their autocomplete file and you ram it in. And what it'll do is it'll merge it to the information store of your hosted exchange. Oh, gotcha. So that's how I've that cool. It's a good one. Yeah. I've saved a lot of clients who, oh, my God, all my autocompletes are gone. You know, so that's, they didn't say the term autocomplete. They just wanted to know where the list of their email you well, they, they call it their address book. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. That's there. That was a big one. Um, trying to think there was a there's a couple where the – the, the next is they got to know, and, and sometimes I take care of this right away, once you, once you implement auto-discover, and for everybody, what auto-discover is, and this is such a key where every migration since the first one has went so much better, mm -hmm. the day of the migration, I will add a record, and it's at a record 
that uh, you put in to the DNS where it's an IP address provided by your hosted exchange vendor or your Office 365 vendor, whoever that is, they're going to assign a specific IP address for auto-discover. So you actually make an A record for auto-discover for the domain with that IP address. Here's mm -hmm. what that does. When you are now doing uh, uh, setting up the new client in Outlook, you can go, you don't have to go manual. You can go automatic. You put the user's name, their password, so the, the full email and their password, and it will go out and it will start looking for mm -hmm. that record. And when it sees that IP address, it will now go to that vendor and it will now come down and configure Outlook automatically. And you just got to say, yes, you trust it and to say it's okay and allow it. Mm -hmm. And, oh, does that make life so much easier then after that? Oh, I love oh, Discover. I've had to yes. do it manually only when I've used a third-party party vendor that right. won't let me do stuff. Well, um, That's rare, though. Here's the next problem that, the, that I've run into with everybody. Uh, they don't own their domain, or they think they own their domain. <laughs> and before you start the process, you must vet the ownership of the domain. Do they have a real login and do they have control of their of the name servers? So a lot of companies, what I find, they can get in and control their domain name maybe. They can go in, but not their DNS. Their DNS was taken over by the company that is doing their website. Exactly. Need them because they took the lazy way out and just move the name servers to their website. And I can't tell mm -hmm. you how many fights I've had with website developers uh -huh. that said, we're taking that back. <laughs> Give me the IP address of the website so we can manually. Oh, no, that doesn't work. That's, uh, yes, it does work. <laughs> the IP address and because we now own the domain. That is the toughest. To, you know, And I should have brought that up first. That's one of the biggest hurdles of every migration and a client that I have not gone down that road about their, their DNS, it's getting less and less of a problem if they're an existing client of mine. We've already been through yeah. that. That's on my list of new clients. Like the minute I have a new client, that's at the top of my list. Do you have the login for where you registered your name? And a lot of them think they own the domain, and they don't. And we have to go through that process. I said, we yeah. must... Go through, and by the way, I went through a process for a client. You'll like this. This is, We're going off topic a little bit. This is a big company. There's a big manufacturer, and they thought they had the domain. Someone bought the company. The new owner bought the company about five years ago, and the previous owner had an IT company, well, a, a, an individual that bought the domain that was under him. Oh. That person died. So, um. We now go look, and this, luckily it was Network Solutions, so we now try to do, you know, go into the domain because now we're doing some email changes. We had to prove that we own the name. Yeah. Okay? So the owner had to, I mean, copies of his driver's license, copies, uh, we had to get utility bills, copies of, uh, a copy of the uh, incorporation. Oh, my God. We put a list together, a stack of things that had to be sent to Network Solutions this was a four-week process. Yeah, I've, done, I've been and, in those before. Oh it's not God. easy. And then we finally got it. So you can get it, but 
not well. Let's say you planned your email migration for a week. Well, that you know that <laughs> schedule got blown away, you know, because we didn't own the domain. So that's one of the toughest things, and your and you your your client doesn't understand until you start explaining it, until you see the rabbit hole that you're going down. I seen one for a financial advisor, one of my clients, that they their domain was set by a web hosting company that was a third party that then went to someone else. And it was mm-hmm. following the path and then trying to grab that nightmare. Nightmare. And this was another exchange, had exchange migration. I have another I have another tip that I gotta get off my that, that just came to me. <laughs> if you're moving from an exchange server to an exchange server, which is my typical migration lately, um, the you have to turn off and I forget uh, and I don't know if you have it to put in the show notes for here. If not, I'll send it to you because okay. I put it in my show notes way back I, when I mentioned this. You must turn off the auto-discover of the local exchange server. Or no matter what you do in yeah. the DNS, it doesn't matter. Local wins. <laughs> when it's, yeah. there's, if there's two auto-discovers and you got one in the public DNS and you got one locally, Local will win, and yeah. you'll never be able to automatically configure that Outlook client. I know. I've been through that at pain and suffering. I've had to delete their uh, uh, managed credentials a few times because mm-hmm. it keeps going to the old server, and well, it, it ruins it for it's, me. Well, it's very simple. It's a PowerShell script when you open up Exchange. It's just one command that you type, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Done. You type that command at the shell prompt uh, in Exchange, and uh, all done. And I was very, very fortunate of a third-level tech at my hosting provider that was able to, to get me that. So even Tier 1, Tier 2 didn't even realize. So uh, that was a, sort of an advanced one. And that's why the minute I found that out, that was like the number one thing on my show that, that week. But it's interesting. And I, a lot of people, that's going to go over their head. They're going to be like, you know, but... I wanted to get it out there and on record, so if anybody thinks when they're running into this problem, they're like, oh, Mike talked about that. Wait a second. And then yeah. they can go search in my site and find it, the script. So. You know what, though? The, the, excuse me, the Office 365 admin control panel, their exchange is a little bit different. It's not like it's local on your computer. And right now I'm doing my first PowerShell, which I can't believe I'm even saying the word. <laughs> PowerShell is like, I'm in a new world. I'm in like an administrative word here. Yep. So this week I have to fix a person who has 17,000 calendar entries that are corrupted and 3,000 reminders. Well, on my Outlook, I got it fixed. It works like a charm. On his online browser, totally messed up. So I have to go into the exchange in the admin control panel, which is uh, browser-based. So it's not like you can just run a script. Really? No. Wow. It's, the new, it's the new exchange, Mike, and that's why you. Uh, I know you have a vendor and I have a vendor at River. But it's, it depends on how they present the exchange admin to you. It's just like browser-based. It's There's nothing local. You can't just run a script. You have to go into their tools and do stuff. You ready? I can't do that. What you just said. I have no access to that. Yeah. That would be a tech support ticket that I would have to discuss with tech support, yeah. and they would have to do it at the server end. I'd I love it for them to do this, but I kind of want to learn it. And I might have yeah. to actually, since I'm just starting the project, I might actually have them do it as well. Right. But the thing is that the one thing that I like telling the users is with this Office 365 and even hosted Exchange and Exchange Online, 
a lot of the stuff that these support with our vendors do is takes away us needing to be exchange administrators. Right. I love that I could focus on my work and bill my clients for my work and they can play exchange. Yes. You know, I used to do exchange a long time ago, but that was in 2003 and four. I mean, it's so changed oh. this. No, oh. I was running on oh. NT. <laughs> I grew up by uh, a little story. I don't know if anybody knows this that I'll share it. When I was with, uh, in the corporate world, and I was with a company called U.S. Healthcare, which got bought by Aetna. And when I was at U.S. Healthcare, we were an early adopter of Exchange before it was released. So I was on a weekly conference call with the Exchange developers. There's actually two white papers out there because of me where before Exchange was even released. And it was so much fun rolling out a product that wasn't even released yet, and it, it was great. So I got to play, and that's how I learned Exchange. Nice uh, before it was even uh, before it was even out. So that was uh, so I got into the blood and guts quickly of a, of Exchange when it when it came out, and then literally helped expand my IT career from that. Where when I went to another company after that, where I was the network manager. I really got that because of my email background, and that's what really helped get me in. And it was email that kind of helped launch my career, you know. So oh, email's huge. Yeah, it's my so, favorite thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, then it took a t so now I'm on my own consulting. Well, I'm not dealing with those big companies anymore. I'm dealing with little guys, and I'm dealing with a lot of companies now, small businesses that have old small business servers that are now and that power outage. Let's fast forward a group of clients in my neighborhood outside Philadelphia a couple years ago. The ice storms were so bad, the power was knocked out in one of my air, one of my areas here for over a week. So could you imagine not having access to your email for a week and wow. you're a business? You almost go out of business. And I had two clients that after that massive outage said, we got to get to the cloud for everything. And I helped move their applications. We, you know, uh, did the due diligence of calling the application. Is there a cloud-based version? Is there, you know, okay, got that. And then that also accelerated migrations to exchange hosted services to then now retire that server, get everything cloud-based, maybe replace it with a NAS device or a small server that's just for file sharing, but nothing hmm. else. No other services. Everything else cloud-based, including phone systems. So that's another thing that oh, yeah. came with the whole suite, having phone systems to recommend for cloud-based because you got to be able to run your business when there's no power to the building. Mm -hmm. And in the northeast quadrant where I'm at, in the, in the Pennsylvania, New York area, there are too many storms and too many events that can take your building offline. And you got to prepare for that as a business. That's actually my selling point to move someone from their ex their local exchange server. And that's an easy sell. Yeah. The next one is, and this is for everybody, if you want to sell these services, what to use. It's the syncing of their calendar and their contacts. That's right. This is when I am an, an iCloud person. I live in an Apple ecosystem with, along with Windows personally. And I use iCloud for syncing. It works, but it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, Android, forget it. It's a, that's a mess, that world for syncing. So the, Unless the, you're on Gmail. <laughs> yeah. 
So syncing, true synchronization, I anybody that's not exchange, my selling point is you need to have complete synchronization where you don't have to worry about your email and unlimited where uh, the, I can't tell you how many clients that I ran into that they're capped at 2 meg or 10 meg or ridiculous quantities to such small mailboxes where the, the, the vendor I'm using, you can have 50 gig, you know, yeah. for a mailbox. So one of those, that's another thing, and they can sync with no issue because now you can use Active Sync on the phone, whether it's iPhone or Android. And the Active Sync, the Exchange Active Sync on Android works great, you know, yeah. so love it. And then Active Sync on the iPhone, perfect. So now that's a slam dunk. If anybody is unhappy with their synchronization, then that's another selling point. Yeah. So I got power uh, outages and outages of the local server, synchronization, and just overall, you know, having a reliable email all the time, round the clock, and not have to worry about it. And also the total cost of ownership where that ex that local exchange server costs so much to maintain mm -hmm. that it, or uh, uh, how many times do they have outages with this, you know, uh, Billy Bob's email service somewhere is that they're sell reselling some service and there's an outage every week. Yeah. So my first meeting with a client is, are you happy with your email? And, uh, and, and give me your pain and suffering for email. And then usually the exchange hosted is where I'm going. And I know, and I mentioned this to Lisa before we started today, her show's Office 365. I separate the two. And this is where you might want to help everybody. Sure. It's, it, I separate Office 365 from Exchange Hosted. Even though they're together and there are packages that you can have your Exchange email and they can provide the Office client. The, 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 I guess the latest shipping Office, which is Office 2013, you know, right now. Well, let me tell you one thing I'm going to do is, is I'm going to have a... Um, YouTube, YouTube video that's going to be basic for text just to learn the basics and I've tried it before but this time I'm going to really make a basic video about it so watch uh, my channel uh, youtube.com slash call that girl for that I'm, it's on my hot list to do this month but anyway Mike here's what I tell people my clients that call in they will say Lisa I have Office 365 and my email's not syncing and I'm like well let's talk about it first did you buy the $99 subscription, Office <laughs> right. 365? And they go, yes. So right there, you already know that you're dealing with a business client who went to Best Buy and got a retail box version. They think they got everything. Right. Or they went to some other place, whatever. This is very common. Staples, everyone has them. Okay. So that knocks it out. So I tell people, how big is your business? Now they go, well, just me or we have a few people. So then I say, here's what Office 365 business is. Six products in one. You get the exchange, which is the most popular, which right. you can buy standalone from any vendor. You don't have to buy the full office product suite. You can just right. buy the exchange, which is what I do. You also get the um, SharePoint, which nobody's really selling right now. OneDrive, which people want, but it's not working, so I don't sell that either. Then you get the Office 2013, which if they already bought the $99 one, they don't need that. That's right. And uh, then they get Yammer. And I think that's the six. What's okay. Yammer? What's Yammer? Yammer is a social media plugin for SharePoint for companies. Oh, I call okay. them corporations. Yes. Corporations that are integrating their intranet with their SharePoint with Yammer. It's a tool. Um, 
there's a lot of new stuff going on with Microsoft that's really kind of outside of my interest level because I don't deal with big corporations. Mm-hmm. I try to stick with what I'm supporting to learn. Right. And um, a couple of years ago, the excitement for SharePoint was working well. Then they combined it with their little baby sister OneDrive, and now it's it's not a happy family. People are not happy with those two products together. Until they fix that, I cannot sell it because right. I cannot support it and make my clients happy. So basically... I just sell Exchange through my vendor AppRiver, and that's all I do. I tell people, Microsoft's law is about using Office 365 Home, which is just the software. It's a fine, there's really not a fine line, because if you're a home user and a business owner and you work out of your home, you're home. But then I get some people that went out and bought five subscriptions for 15 of their employees. (laughs) Is it my job to play Microsoft Ethical Police and say you can't do that? Right. No, my job is to do what they want, and if they want exchange, they can keep whatever they want. I, I've always put that out there, that I'm not going to force them off because it ain't my job to do that. Microsoft should be controlling that better. Right. And make it a domain-based only or non-domain. Like If you have a domain, you shouldn't be able to buy the home, in my opinion. Right. But they're too far beyond that. They can't keep up. They're just happy the sales are coming in. So, like I said, it's two things, home and business. Business has six products. My people just need exchange. Yeah, and, and same it's here. Now, I thought yeah. you were going to say I th- I expected you for the opposite answer, saying that you're <laughs> you're doing so you're doing exactly what I'm doing, which is it's all exchange yeah. because they already own Office. I can't tell you yeah. how many Exchange 2013s host it, and they still have Office 2007. Oh yeah, they can only handle one Exchange account, and but no, it works. So yeah. if they have Outlook 2007, will work. Mm-hmm. On a hosted exchange, 2013, yep. and as long as that's the case, why should they spend the extra money for Office if they don't need it? And well, some people know, want the upgrade, though, Mike. Some people want the bells and whistles, which I do, get. Then you offer the whole thing. Then you say, well, Look, you know, there's an Office now. My, my vendor offers a, a an exchange. Uh, I think it's 7.95 a month per user. Okay, for the yeah. full exchange, it's two more dollars per month, and then they get the full Office suite. So I was yep. like, so it's a call of how many people and are they going to go through the expense of spending for a new office upgrade? And that's the next, I guess, the next offering where uh, if they want to go to that new version, I'll say, okay, it's $2 more ahead and yeah. everybody gets the, the latest version. Guess what I tell my people? I say, if you got a ton of people on 2010, just do the exchange, pay the, my, my, my vendor's four ninety five a month for exchange. Wow. And I say, yeah, it's nice. Then I say, as you need to upgrade, just go buy the full license. Because <laughs> yeah, right. so, you're really going to waste the money on the on the subscription yep. over many years. And then they go, well, what if I need the new Office 2016? I go, you know what? 2007 has lasted how many years? I know. Why would you need a new one? I mean, I really only upgraded so I could learn what my clients' problems are. I love 2010. I love 2010. Love it. <laughs> my system is to Office 2010, and I own legitimate Office 2013, <laughs> and, and, and I put that on other systems. My main system is yep. Office 2010 because I just love Outlook 2010. I know, me and too. I hate it 2007, and I hate 2013 Outlook, yep. and so um, 2010 until I see all Outlook 2016. And I I've seen thought, it on the Mac. I've seen it on the Mac already. Oh, I haven't seen that uh, yet. I that looks pretty nice. Because I, I, they might get me to, to, to move, you know. So I actually test it. I own 
Office 365 personal for myself, just for the OneDrive. Now, I'm actually using OneDrive for my Mac side. So they have an app for my iPhone and the iMac that I sync my files using OneDrive between my Windows and my Office environment. You are such a traitor. I, isn't that funny? In my Mac. So I'm not using Cloud Drive, whatever Apple was trying to shove down my throat with the latest upgrade or whatever. I didn't yeah. go there. The iDrive. So, what is it called? I, it's not an iDrive. Cloud Drive. Cloud Drive, yeah. Okay, something like that. Anyway, iCloud Drive or whatever it is. Um, oh, that's funny. So, but, I, but here's where I really want it. It was the five tablet and workstation licenses. Yep. And I have two um, uh, iPads. I have a, a, the regular iPad. I have an iPad mini. And then I have, I have so many devices that to put the Office app, it was cheaper for me to spend that $99 because when I started to do the math, I was like, I'm better off just getting that. Yeah. So that's how they suck. That's what I pay too. Yeah. So, and it's good because the minute 2016's out, I want to be able to download it immediately and own it, you know, just to test it. Yeah. Know? Well, that's the difference I learned from Diane Peremsky, who is like the Outlook queen of the world. She owns a ton of sites. She's always doing stuff really cool. Um, she actually um, said it right. The Office 365 is subscription model. Right. So you are all of them is always subscription. You just cannot buy Office 365. You're but you go to the Microsoft store and you can buy the products. Yes. One by one. And that's right. just basically the, the the Office products based on professional or the um but the home does it's called home and student. That's what that one's called. But anything with the word Office 365 is always subscription model. Yes. Okay. That? That's a good way to that's it a, is good a good way. way. Yes, that's a good way of 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 differentiating that. Yeah. So uh the, the next add-on I'm seeing, and I'm living this right now, going, and this is the biggest thing that my clients, after they move to hosted exchange, they now want to send encrypted email to <laughs> their target that they're, the, the, the person they're sending to. Not everybody, but some people, and there's a couple reasons for this. The first thing is compliance. If they are in an industry that there's any kind of compliance, and I deal with a lot of financial advisors and attorneys, so there are compliance issues, mm -hmm. that you cannot send an email in the open email, in the open, and any email over the internet with any personal information, financial information. You cannot do that unless it's encrypted. So a lot of my clients have no idea what, you know, where to go for that. So I get the phone call or I'm already in discussion with them about this. And with my vendor, it's an easy add-on. It's another $4.95 per user mm. per month. And now it builds a portal. So what happens, it takes uh, 24 hours. And what they'll do is they'll build a, a, a portal for that client. And now we get we have to set up, and it's an Outlook toolbar that gets mm. added. Now, if they use the web base, they don't need that. But it's a toolbar that now gives them the option to click a button if they want to send this email yeah. encrypted. And then there's receipt options. Uh, do they want to track it? Do they want to do this? And they can just do the default, send the email, and now the person, the recipient, will receive an email that has a link for a secure link for them to log in and set up their account. So now that. they can send back and forth. And I think a lot of us have had this happen with our financial advisors or banks or anybody that has sent 
uh, an encrypted email. Big companies do this, and they build them out themselves, you know, probably. Yeah. Or, uh, but there are services creeping up that offer this, and and that's why I re I highly rec well I, I I recommend always, you know, have it have it have an exchange provider. Does does App River do encryption? Yes, that's perfect. So yep. you want to deal with a provider that yes, it can do. You you want a provider that can do all three, which I'm sure App River does. It's exchange hosted. Can provide Office 365 if they need. Hey, they need yep. those apps and encryption for end to end. Yep. Now you got it all for wherever your client's going to fit. And they some may need all three, some may need just That's one. Right. You know, so you want to be able to adapt for your client's needs, and that's what I'm doing. And I'm finding the encryption. Um, and you know, it's a, it's an extra couple hours consulting because you got to help them set yeah. it up, hold their hands, send a couple messages back and forth to you to me. <laughs> Test. And then I'll usually bring up the email on that with them to show how it looks on my side so they know what their client would see and exactly. what they would have to go through. And so I send myself a test message from them, and then I log on to my Gmail, you know, my Google Apps account, and, and, and have them, you know, this is what the, they'll see, and this is what I'll have to do, and, and take them through the whole process. Once we do that, love it, love it, love it. And now they're secure. They're, they are compliant. Yeah. It's, it's the right thing. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on my show. It's a great differentiator for anybody listening to this show that is in our business. There are a lot of people, a lot of consultants that don't understand this and don't know how to offer it and don't know where to go to offer it. And it's another service and it's another way to get in yeah. to maybe differentiate you from the competition. So you now can offer, hey, I can offer encrypted end-to-end -end email. And you can say that because you're going to bring them to a, a provider that can handle that and set it up. That's, but to you me, know, it's my, all my, about the differentiation. You know? Well, a lot of our customers are, are, are brick are techs. techs. Yep. They work they're at their homes. homes. They, they are closing stores. And this is where I'm telling people, this is your next area to move into. You have to learn it. And I think that um, I, I've told this story a few times. My first job, what, what really bothered me about not knowing how to do any of this was I wanted to learn it so bad that I actually begged and pleaded from people to get the knowledge. Like, how do you do an, a migration? Right. And it took me about five months of begging web designers to tell me, and nobody had a concrete solution. So... One thing I did was, um, I don't know if you know or not, but I wrote a book called Call That Girl's Guide to Exchange Migrations. Oh, no. Now, I know your remote guide, which I love, love, yeah. love. You know, well, but. I wrote a book about how to do exchange migrations because there was nobody out there that I had to come up with my own solution. And also, back then, I was using a different vendor, and I would call them and say, so what's my next step? So basically, all the steps that it takes is in my right. book. And I do tell stories in the book. It's like 29 pages. I added a whole bunch of new screenshots, too, by the way, on how to import, export mail. Yep. I mean, a lot of people, the first, I call it the first round of the book, it, it, it was good. But, see, a lot of technicians don't know Outlook. Right. So they don't know how to export. They don't know that stuff. They're mm -hmm. Gmail users. So they're like, I don't know what to do. So the new book, which I'm not calling a second edition, it's just an advanced, better update, it does explain things, Mike, to a T. Wow. So, yeah, it's I, on I, my... I take that for granted because I'm an Outlook yeah. person, and I grew up on Outlook from the, from the very first <laughs> version. So you're right. I personally no. take that for granted because just like on depending on the version, 
you got to export to import, you know, because the title only says that. And that would confuse, I think, a lot of people for the first time. In Outlook 2010, there yeah. is no import. You can only pick export, and then you get the import option. You know? Yeah, it's kind of funny how they changed the little things with the Outlook, but but you know what? I think the book, uh, once I actually had a guy who bought the book and want his money back. And it only takes me one person to find out why they're not happy. So I revamped the book. Wow. Because wow. okay. of one guy. It took me a, a whole week, but I went through and fine-tooth combed that, and I made every single point in there so people could do a migration without having knowledge. Right. But I think, Mike, you know, with your very first one, oh, you yeah. just didn't magically know how to do a migration. Oh, you no. had to learn it. You no, had to ask people. Exactly, exactly. Now, I, I was lucky that I had the benefit of, of some pretty good tech support yeah, from, me too. From my my vendor, and so they, except for the order discover, which I wish I wish I knew that from day <laughs> one. Um, the uh, it was it was great, you know. I I just hey, you got to export everything, and then you got to upload it to them, and then they'll marry it. And I was like, oh, cool, you know. So it was it, it's once you get a process down, you're right. It, it it took some time, and then each one gets better and better. Yeah. Uh, oh, you learn from your own. Trust oh, me. Oh yeah. My and book is not perfect either, by the way, because you probably do things a lot differently than me. Because I don't FTP anything up to anything. Okay. I keep everything local, and well, then I set up the profile. And it depends. If, if they're if they're very small PSTs, I'll give you an example yeah. where I didn't FTP it. A a ear doctor, five desktops, and I am. And they're a client of mine, but it's a little drive. And so it's a Friday night, and I decide this is when we're going to begin the migration. I did everything. <laughs> I decided not. I'm not going to set foot into the office. I am going to do this all from my desk. And I remoted into each of the desktops and started exporting. And I didn't realize something. These doctors don't use email. Their PSTs were like... A couple meg. It yeah, was nothing. Super nice. It was nothing. <laughs> I said, "Don't these guys use email?" I was like, "I can't believe it." Oh, they use personal email. Don't worry. <laughs> but it was small, and it was so small. I was like, "Oh, I can just import them right in." You know, so I just yeah. did a direct import, which then has to sync back up to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even use the FTP. I think it was a couple hours. I was done the whole migration, yeah. and I was like. Wow, I never left my desk. I just, That's how I do all of mine, Mike. I know, never leave my no, desk. I have no. my command center. I have a lot of, you know, yes. There's, there's one of the things, though, my clients, they want to see me every now and oh. You know, like, they, they, even if there's no value for, for them to see me, you know, it's just like they, yeah. they need to know, they need to touch, feel, smell. You know, we're paying for this, and there's a, and here he is, you know, and yeah. I have to make an appearance. And and unfortunately, I can't do 100% remote for all my clients. I do a lot of it, but I can't do all of it. I got to go into the office sometimes. And just to, this is why they're paying me monthly, you know. So exactly. that's another thing that, that um, if they're on retainer, I got to make time to see, you know, to, to do that. But this one, it was so great it was just i was able to you know send the test messages do everything you can do pretty much pretty much anything as long as you got good remote control and you can you know uh even if it's the server and i had to reboot it as long as it as long as nothing physically stops it from booting 
which I was going to ask you, have you ever ran it? I, I know this is off topic, but have you ever ran into a problem where not being there, you had to have a human being intervene? No, but here's what does happen is um, usually I just talked to Marvin about this last show is that I was doing a lot of my migrations during the business day. No. Oh, yeah. But I always have I always have another way for them to do their email. So okay. they, they were never like they had their iPhone set up, their iPads or their they online browser. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say yeah. OWA. They can just use yeah. And you know why, Mike? I, I still like to number during the business day. And here's why is because I can't work 24-7. Oh. And my clients, a lot of times, if I give them, um, I created a new Microsoft checklist for the employees and the owners, so I have a good firm list. I manage the expectations. Uh, you know, they're fine with that. But I've also started doing night migrations. But let me just tell you that if I've worked a freaking heavy eight-hour day, the last thing I want to do is a migration at night. So then I'm pretty much screwed either way. I either take off the morning and work at night. or So I'm really having this hard time figuring out the balance, but my goal is to get a team to do this moving ahead. Oh, yeah. My migration yeah. always, I like because I'm going to be changing the MX records. I oh, yeah. do this late Friday afternoon. That's where my migrations begin. I try to get an earlier as possible start time. The earliest I've ever been given is 3 p.m. So yeah. that's so I'll start at 3 and then, you know. Babysit it. Yeah. And then take <laughs> a few hours, you know. and then But that's when I change the MX records and yeah. like to do that. because And then I also, my backup is I can come in on Saturday and clean up any kind of yeah. mess or any kind of issues. So uh, the main goal is to that they're perfectly migrated by Monday morning. And that's, that's what that's what uh, we were talking about. My, my thing is, is that let's say I start a migration at three and I've been working since eight. And then I lose that morning, my bill time. Right. But I like it when the clients are gone because then they don't have all the little client issues, you know, that, that make the migration like they're, you know, just to let everybody else know, I also import their calendar and contacts in first because that comes up to the server right away. So people right. have their data, the critical stuff first. Oh. But oh yeah. I'm lucky I can grab everything on the full export. So I don't got to worry about individually setting up. You know? A lot of my people are IMAP. So they already have a separate calendar and contacts that's not yeah. with their IMAP. Yeah. Yes. But yes. It's okay. That's how my book teaches people to do it is to do right. those first and import them first. So then, You're right. then the, the mail can you know take its time. Now, like I said, I, I don't really want to spend Friday nights managing tons of you know stuff, but I will. Mm. But that's where my decision is. Do them right. during the day or switch to a weekend, and I want my team. But the thing you asked me before was, have I ever had any problems connecting? Now, sometimes during a migration, I'll have things going, and I might drop them. Right. I take a note to call them. I have their personal cell phones, every single person. Okay, yep. Because if I say, look, you're all good. The mail's moving. We have aftercare on Monday. So I, I always give hours of aftercare after a migration because people always have some problem, you know. Right. This don't work. That don't work. So the aftercare is included, but I give them a short window for everybody to be taken care of quick. Because yep. I can't spend days doing aftercare. No more. No. Mm -hmm. So if I lose connection, I just say to them, you're good to go. We just have to find tune a couple things. But usually, you know, I don't lose connection with them. I've done every one remotely, never on site. Not oh, one. No. Nope. Great. I can't. How can you do that I, when you when you travel as much as I do? <laughs> <laughs> you need, no. I'm, not, I'm not going after just a migration for someone that's in California or someone that's in yeah. there and I'm here. 
That's not my typical client. My typical client, they're already a client. They're yeah. paying monthly, and now we're now doing this as another service, as something yeah. they want to migrate to or, or, or change. And that was uh, one of my questions for you uh, on the list here. I think we're going to head up to the next question was, you know, how are you marketing your services? And you pretty much are using well, your clientele, which is what a lot of techs are going to do. Yes, and, and something else I'm going to mention just to get it out there. I belong to a business networking group. BNI. And I. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love. <laughs> 70% of my business is through referrals in BNI. I had, if it wasn't for BNI, I would be back in the corporate world and I would not be a consultant. You're not the first guy to say that. I've heard tons of guys on Technable live and breathe by BNI. I do. I was never a BNI person. You know why? 7 a.m. meetings don't work for me. Or lunch, and you got to make it every yeah. week, and you got to, yeah. oh, it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. So that's my marketing, because it's like 400 <laughs> and some dollars a year for the yeah. fee. Big deal. I made that one Easy. week, you know? Easy. So uh, the, it's, it's the time and the commitment that you got to put into doing the one-on-ones to learn about how to sell. My group is 35 people in our oh, chapter. Wow. That means I have 34 salesmen that I'm paying nothing for <laughs> to sell me. But then you got to sell them. What if you don't like them? I don't care. I sell them. You know? No, 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 no. No, but see, that's the thing. That givers gain attitude where uh, that, that process where someone who gives me a big referral, I'm now on the you hunt like to them something. I'm on the hunt to find them something. Oh, or, that's hilarious. You know, I like to be, I've given such great referrals to a couple people in my chapter, they're out like actively trying to find me something just to pay me back. Just to, that's as a awesome. You know, and that's yeah, I never thought about it that way. And so I love it and I, so that's my marketing. So I would say if there was a marketing budget for me, it's my, whatever yeah. I put into B&I and whatever, you know, I put into that uh, because then there's lunch fees each week and everything. Yeah. It adds up, but it's not a lot. When I look at the overall benefit and the money that I've made mm -hmm. from it, and I've I get solid solid clients from there, yeah. so uh, that's one of my that that that's all that's I do. And the rest is re the rest is a uh, great example. This Friday is a brand new client where I've already met them. It's a realtor, and it came from another realtor, which came from B and I. You know, oh, so, referral, referral. <laughs> yeah, and, that's a, and that was phenomenal. And we, there's going to be an email migration, but first I wanted to get the new desktops in place, the new networking infrastructure yeah. stabilized, and that's Friday. Test that internet speed. Make sure, exactly. <laughs> Everything's perfect. Then we're going to talk email migration. And we've already discussed it, and uh, that's going to be like a couple weeks later, you know, and we'll and we'll do that. But we've already had the dialogue about that, so that it, it's on the plate. Yeah, and that's great, and and that's uh, that's my typical business: four or five uh, desktops, you know, a small office. You know, they may or may not have a server. This guy happens to have a server, so goodbye, old server. Matter of fact, there's a Synology <laughs> NAS sitting. In my office here that I've already set up with uh, just three terabyte mirrored Synology, that's going to be his new server because nice. there's no apps needed. It's just for file. And I'm like, great. I said, see that big that's server? Right. We're going we're gonna to get rid of it. You know? Bye. Yep. I see uh, techs that do not embrace that 
because they're afraid of making less money if they don't have a server to maintain. I am yeah. the exact opposite. I'm not afraid to tell you how I do it. I'm not afraid to, to give the information to do. I am so secure in what I know that I, I know I'm going to make money other ways. So I'm not worried about, I'll never make a decision that I'm going to be the benefactor more than the client. You know, yeah. as long as the client is going to be saving time, money or whatever and doing it right, I, the yeah. money will come to me for more work, additional services, other things that they need. And so uh, I'm not afraid to get rid of a server, get rid of something, you know, put a NAS in where it belongs. Don't even put a NAS. I, I've had a discussion with a client. I said, you guys are too small for any peer-to-peer. -peer, let's start, you know, chopping up all these systems that, that you're using for things and, and let's clean it up. Mm -hmm. I'm all about consolidating where it makes sense and yes, it's all about the internet speed. Uh, if any, oh, yeah. my area, if I can see, if they can, if I can talk them into FiOS, that's the way to go. Because in, in my area, that's the best internet, but it's not available everywhere. Mm -hmm. So they only, a lot of them are, you, you have no choice. It's a, um, it's a monopoly. You only have Comcast or you only have their cable company and they got no choice. So they're at that mercy. And then I, I'll talk them into, upgrading the uh, to a different speed just because we want to move everything to the cloud so you got to have good internet so by the way that yeah. client at the T1 they're now a Comcast subscriber and they are now cloud based for phone i think we put 8x8 in for the phone service and then uh their uh hosted exchange everything's totally in the cloud <laughs> and they are just so happy, faster internet. Oh, nice. it's, it's, it's Sometimes it takes a little push to get them to spend a few more dollars. Yes, or not. Yeah. You know what? I, I always, the first thing I, when I'm meeting with a client, well, this would be a good checklist. One of the things on my list is to get a copy of their phone and internet bills. Mm -hmm. And I want to see it because I'll go through it and say, oh, no, we can save here. You know, boom, boom, boom. Take a look. What is their contract? When is it coming up? Yeah. What is their phone system, and is it a traditional PBX that's based there, or which most nine times out of ten it is? When is it coming up for renewal, for maintenance, or contract? Let's take a look at that, and we could save money by moving them to a cloud-based phone system. Mm -hmm. But it all begins with the Internet, and if they don't have a good Internet speed, then that'll be first on my list. Let's get them a good Internet speed and then start tackling all those services. And I'll put it together as... I understand you can't do it all at once. So let's make sense. Let's do the things first, then second. Like this one client took almost a year before we got everything migrated from a budgetary but the budget, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we picked a different thing each quarter to do, and it, and it was great. So now they're there. And so now we have a summer that if there's storms or anything right now in the area, they're good to go. And that's... Like I said, that like I'll I'll say it again. That's been the it, it depends geographically where is your mm -hmm. customer base and what is the pain point is weather yeah. a factor and if it is, take advantage of that exactly. to sell services to protect them from the from the weather events. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, so and for the listeners, Mike, Mike is, is more of a managed service company, company where I'm break fix. Mm -hmm. So when I get clients in. I don't do any outbound calls. Mine all come in from Google or from past LinkedIn or referrals and stuff. And I, the, the, the business model I have is people want their outlook fixed. 
and then it starts to segue out into new sales. Right. Like I'll exactly. say in my interview, what are you doing for backup and what are you doing for antivirus? That leads to a new sale. Right. Then I say your outlook sucks. You're on IMAP Gmail. Let's get you into exchange. That's right. another sell. So I right. then my my ultimate is the prepay ticket, which right. kind of steers me into my I'm doing a little managed services at that point, right? right. And I also sell my GFI. Right. As I mean, so I've got kind of even though I'm not a managed service company like you, you I've got little outlets of doing sure. it my own way. Yeah, because you do both. See, yeah. I learned. So I tried to do break fix the first day I was on my own in terms of, and I realized I cannot make a living waiting for the phone to mm -hmm. ring, especially if I'm not marketing or advertising or doing anything. You can't make money that way. It's retainer clients. It's those managed services. It's yeah. lots of hours that I bill quarterly because I try to say my my big selling point is let's smooth out your IT spending over mm -hmm. the year by buying blocks of hours from from me every quarter and and I'll keep track give them an accounting and if they have extra let it roll over yeah. to the next quarter because eventually they're going to have a problem that's going to suck those hours up yeah. and you won't have an extra bill. You've already paid for it. So it kind of flattens their IT spending. And that's something that I have some clients that love that, you know, that mm -hmm. I, that, that approach. I have other clients that didn't get it. And then I started billing them per hour. They, a lot of my retainer clients, some of them, if they call me and I help them and everything, I, I don't even mark it down. You know, I just help them because they're a retainer client. So I had, you'll love this. I had a client that, didn't understand. He paid the retainer, and I helped him, and and he was going over his hours, and 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 now he didn't want to pay the next retainer bill. And I said, okay, let's true up where you're at already. And I sent him a bill for an additional six hours, and he's like, well, I said, you know what? I wouldn't have sent you that if you didn't balk at the retainer bill. And yeah. he finally got it, and he finally understood, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to be hourly anymore. I want to pay you. I want to pay you quarterly. And I was like, you know, I was like, okay, good. So it's some people. Our hourly rates are higher. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's another thing. That's what you have to do. Uh, my my regular hourly rate is twenty five dollars higher than the retainer rate. So yeah, that's about so, mine too. And then mm -hmm. so they'll save money by buying those. Uh, yeah. I would say blocks of hours or quarterly. It's like I have a lot of clients that are only two or three hours a month. That's mm -hmm. okay. I would I would rather have thirty three hour a month clients than one ninety hour a month client that could mm -hmm. go away, and then I'm done. So I'm trying to s spread the risk over yeah. multiple small clients, where I still have a couple big ones. But if they ever go away, if something ever happens, which can happen, I know I've, lo I've lost clients because they were bought by somebody else or. You know, and I've lost a few, but and you know what? I I said this a few stories just because they moved to a new office and the guy next door does IT. Exactly. They weren't even unhappy with me, Mike. Right. They just said, well, the new guy next door does IT, so we're just gonna use him. Yeah. I got fired for no really good reason. I was really kind of irritated. I've had that happen a couple times to me. Yeah, where, it sucks. Uh, mine was more of takeovers, of mergers. Oh, and, yeah. And other, you know, where they didn't have an IT department, merged with a company that had a big IT department. And so I had to consult my way out of a job. I had to help with the merger. Oh. That's my job, you know. Yeah. I had to merge the IT services and then, okay, goodbye. <laughs> and Cute. That, that, how to do it. Uh, I, like I said, I've had a couple of... Uh, well, here you go. Perfect one. One of my biggest clients, 
I consulted myself out of a job because I did my job, and that was at the Franklin Institute. I was a consultant there a couple years ago in, in Philadelphia, and that's huge, the, the Franklin Institute. Mm -hmm. I redesigned the entire network infrastructure, had to re rehire a new IT director, new network manager. I built a network team and did this in a year and a half, and then they didn't need me now because I did everything. And, yeah. uh, and that's okay. That's what that's that's the job of a consultant. That's yeah. why I like the title consultant more than I do repair tech or any kind of contractor. You know the difference between a contractor and a consultant, right? What? Hundred and twenty five bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I never use the word contractor. I call my people that work for me vendors. Oh, okay. I, it's just a professional kind of thing. You know, people I don't know. It's just something I, I think about as I keep growing. Mike, I got one last question here for you, and then I think we'll wrap up. Yep. Now, since you've been doing a lot of this Office 365 work and you're hosted Exchange, how do you feel Office 365 will be a part of all computer tech services moving ahead? It, you, you will either offer this service or perish. <laughs> okay, no. I, I have to agree. I mean, you if you don't to get to know it, you're not going to be in the game. You have to have it in your tool bag. Or mm -hmm. uh, or Lisa and I will take your job. Okay. You know what? People are fast to like before when you thought people are fast calling around for virus removals. Yep. They're just as fast googling Office 365 in your town. And yep. guess what? I'm marketing to your town right now. Right. I have hundreds of cities and states I'm covering. Because nobody's doing it. So right. it's up to techs to start competing with me. They're going to call you locally before me because I'm remote only. They want people like you, Mike, to right. come in, sit down. Right. But my rates are also very high compared to what your rates might be. Right. But that's I mean, where I'm, that's my and that's my selling point. You can yeah. see me. You have a problem. You can wrap your hands around my throat. You can say, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm accessible. And that's yeah. the difference. You're right. And that's yeah. where, and I would and I would use that point if we were competing on someone. You know? That's right. I was like, well, that's the thing is, I, right now, no one's doing it. Exactly. But I'm doing it for local and yeah. and local businesses mm -hmm. that I can put under contract. That's so, right. So yeah, you have a different business model. There's so much work out there for everybody. Oh Mike, people I, are tire kicking me now with Office 365 Consulting. I I'm not kidding. I get um tons of requests saying, look, we just had a migration done. By whatever company, right. there's a ton of things not working. How much do you charge? I go. There you go. Well, I'm hourly, or you could buy a ticket. Right. And I go, how many people? They're like twelve, and everything's all messed up. And I go, well, then I have to go one by one because everybody has different problems. So, right. you know, they, what they really want is a local person at that point to come in because I'm remote only, and I mean I'm doing fine, Mike. No, right. qu no question. People hire me without knowing me, but um, I know that they're like, well, we really want someone local. So I'm telling all you techs out there to. Get into it. Get in the game. Start start learning, listening. Have you thought um, of Have you thought of getting um having not employees, but let's say it's Philadelphia. You'd reach out to me, say, "Hey, Mike, I got an opportunity here," and then take a, a referral fee, you know, or take a kickback of a percentage, you know, for that referral. Or you know, someone in Tampa, and you yeah. know, hey, can I, you know, we. It's almost like building a trusted a troop list. That's a troop. <laughs> for referrals. Do you know what I'm saying? That's well, a, actually I just did good. one actually for a job in Iowa. One of the guys on Podnuts was listening to me and he said, Look, I've got seventeen users. 
I cannot do it alone, but I want to learn it. So they actually uh, co contracted with me for an eight-hour ticket. He did probably 80% of the work. I did 20. Right. I did the coaching and guiding him, but he was on site, so he did all the work. Mm -hmm. And uh, in about five and a half hours, we got uh, migrated. So I, that's out of my bill time. So that tech actually saved you know, the company a couple, $3,000 right. from paying the large expenses and hired me as a consultant. So you're kind of on something there, Mike. If I was to heavily uh, market more to call the local techs and say, do you want to go on site and help me with this? Right. And, and, and be a part of it. And don't go through the, the call. I'm not, and I don't, you know, don't go through the cost burden of hiring them. Or do it. it just, it, it's a, you know, a subcontractor relationship exactly. or whatever that, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I just see that. And I'll tell you, I can't take credit for that idea. A long time ago, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Carrie Holzman wants to do that on a national level. He would love to. We've talked about that a long time ago and never did anything about it. You know, Carrie and I always have ideas. In fact, he's next on my show list. Yes. Oh, cool. Yep. I'm going to promote it. Carrie's going to be my next guest. I think this just decided oh. I'm doing it, and we're going to do a totally different show because he doesn't do Office 365. No, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to hear his consulting <laughs> very different than mine. And what oh, I, yeah. Oh, my God. We're at the uh, opposite ends of what we of what we do. That's why I wish we were in the same area because he does what I hate, and I, I do what he hates. So it's like a perfect marriage for, for doing consulting. You and know? you guys met last year at Comp. Was that the first time in person? Or no, at the actually, 50th. at my 500th show was the first time we we met face to face uh, in Fort Washington. Uh, so that was in, in March, oh, and then we met funny. again. This is the third time. Now we're like, this is great, you know that. Uh, I know. I told Carrie last time I spoke to him on the phone. I said the highlight of Phoenix was meeting you and Mike, and I was just like, it was really just really cool, you know. That's why I'm really excited for this year to even meet more people because oh, yeah. a lot of us are we're virtual friends. Yep. You know, I'm excited and, about being Bryce from Technable, which yeah, Bri you know, we Bryce love is his site and and everything. And now, I mean, we talked to him in Phoenix, but he was, you know, just a voice, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah but uh, yeah, I him and his wife are coming up. That'll be really cool. And uh, I think they're going to stay a little extended. That's great. Um, yeah. I'm real excited. So, well, thank you for having me. Well, Mike, why don't you tell the listeners how they can reach you, get to your site, and, and also the tech oh, vets too. Okay. Yes, and uh, yeah, there'll be another tech vets hopefully this week. You know, Good. we. Uh, well, to get to me, it's it's MikeTechShow.com, and it'll flip you to the website MikeNation.net. That's a long story. Um, then uh, my podcast is every live on Ustream every Thursday night at 8 p.m. I get on early and, and uh, you know do a pre-show and stay on for a post-show. But again, MikeTechShow.com, and you can find everything that you need. Uh, TechVets is tech-vets.com where I co-host a tech show that's more business-oriented to the consultant and to the repair tech uh, with Carrie Holzman. And uh, we have a great time. We don't record enough. We're trying to get back one. We did one last, uh, a week ago, so hopefully we'll get another show <laughs> soon. Out. I was in the middle of that, too. You both were like, we got to go. We got to go. I'm like, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, anyway, so that's how best way to get a hold of me. If you ever want to email me, MikeTechShow at gmail.com. Yeah, Mike has hundreds and hundreds of shows up on his site, and you can just yep. search and find a lot of information there. I try to check in every time if I'm working. When I get your Ustream, I will check in, and half the time I think he's already doing a show. 
and it's a pre-show. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's fun to enjoy the Sometimes pre-show. Sometimes it is a double show. I get what you're out. Because I'm like, if I get on early, if I get on at like 7 o'clock, I'm doing a show by answering questions and everything, talking. As I've talked an hour. I'm all wore out. And I was like, i got to start my show. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute. At one time, I was like, aren't you already doing the show? You're like, no, I haven't started. I'm like, well, i got to go. That was fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, but a lot of times, I'm working still, so it's early yeah. here. And then I play DJ for the post show, which yes. is uh, very, very interesting. That uh, A long time ago, someone requested music, and then that started a whole thing. So, anyway, uh, Mike's shows are fun. Yeah. I like to I like to catch them. I actually listened to your last one uh, on the download because I missed it on Thursday, so I caught it yesterday, last night. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! Yeah, I know. I just posted it up too. That's another thing. I'm so anal about editing; it takes longer to get posted up, especially with my consulting. It's like wow. So like yesterday, late, I didn't get a chance to to edit the show and get it posted up because I have a lot of post production work <laughs> I do, and it's just audio. I I can't imagine if I did video what I would do to it. It would take me days to get it. Oh, I suppose perfect. I'm just starting to do these live hangouts, and I really like it because it's instant publishing, and I can get stuff out there. But you know, I'm just testing it because I've been doing this the you know Podnuts uh, downloads for such a long time. But now, we'll see I, how it goes. I hate to tie you up, but do is there a chat live for this right now that well, I don't know? Because I was just curious. I'm so used to anytime I'm on live, there's a chat room, you know, and I was just wondering. You know what? Um, I think. There is. There's some people in it right now. Uh, you know what, Mike? Here's what I I don't know how you can do it is look at the chat and talk. It drives me crazy. Oh, okay. There, there has been time. people in here, but they're talking uh, foreign. Oh, they're talking yeah. foreign. <laughs> so, so guess what? I, I think as my people get used to more shows and everything, it'll get better. But there are comments. I haven't even paid attention. I always kind of... Uh, but that's why you have to have moderators, and which yeah. is nice. And I have a couple that uh, I have a few that there's always usually one there. Sometimes all of them. Yeah. And, and it's kind of nice, only because I, you can't do it during the show recording like no. now. A lot of times I have to pause, and then I'll take a look at what's going on. I keep an eye. I keep like yeah. kind of there in case anything's happening. But it's really good for. I'll, t- I'll tell you something I've done. Like if if I do a lot of listener emails and so if i get a complicated question i may pause my show go to the chat room get an answer <laughs> and then continue recording and say okay the chat room has come up with this you know and put it in the show so that's kind of cool that's 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 sneaky that's funny though <laughs> well right. i've kind of i started i used to do my shows where i wouldn't i had to do some edits in between but now i'm a straight shotter yeah i've learned i i just have to straight shoot go through it and i've been having pretty good luck with it that's what tech vets. Yeah. That's what, that's what Carrie and I. We we decided really? we have no time, and the listeners kind of voted. Mike, don't worry about editing. We'd rather yeah. you get the content out there as is quickly than spend time editing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know. So that's how. People want to hear us. Yep. All right. Well, I'm gonna close the show here. Thank you for coming. I think the listeners got a lot of value out of it. I'd like to also thank my uh, sponsor, App River, email and web security specialist. If you're interested in being a reselling partner or a partner of App River, contact Steve Harris. That's S H A R R I S at AppRiver.com. This has been a Podnuts production. Audio supported by Mitch Hammond. Thanks again to our sponsor, App River. Be sure to check out other Podnuts podcasts, Podnuts Daily, Android Apps Addicts, Linux for the rest of us, and the Geeksters. If you have a story you want to share, or if you want to be a guest on my show, email Lisa at callthatgirl.biz. If you want to check out my eBooks, including the Microsoft Migration Exchange Book, 
It's callthatgirl.biz slash publications. That's it, folks. Catch you next time. Thank you.